buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Here's my rifle, this is my gun, this is for Firearms Friday. Oh, baby. Firearms Friday. You know it. You, you want it. You love it. You need it. It's that one day. It's that one day a week where we dedicate uh, the majority of the show to discussions of uh, a two a nature, the Second Amendment type baby. It is uh, where we get a chance to talk about guns and gun rights and everything else. Welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, and uh, we are broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, and uh, again, around the world on the internet as well, at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and links to our social media sites and everything else, where we simulcast the radio show each and every morning. TGIFF. Yes, thank goodness, it's Firearms Friday. All right, on the program today, it's going to be you and me for the first hour this morning uh, on the show, and we're going to get a chance to talk about, uh, well, whatever it is that we want to talk about related to guns in the Second Amendment. I'd love to hear love to hear what you guys have to say. Um, we're going to open up the phone lines for what we lovingly call uh, uh, gun Q&A, gun question, where there's no such thing as a dumb gun question. This show is predominantly made for people, uh, and and the, the, the whole idea of Firearms Friday is predominantly made for people who have questions about firearms, who want to know something, who want to uh, get the straight dope, as it were, and, um, you know, to, to, to get answers. Uh, maybe people who've been... You know, watching the news or watching what's going on um, uh, in the uh, entertainment industry or whatever, and they're getting a lot of different conflicting narratives or just flat out bunk. They're getting, you know, deceptive stuff and they want some clarification. Uh, that's what this program's all about. So this morning on the old radio show, we're going to be uh, opening up those phone lines and talking with you about uh, about all the good stuff. So uh, first things first, let's uh, we'll get the uh, the phone lines cracked open and put together. Uh, number to call is 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to participate on the program today and ask questions, that's where you do it. Remember, there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. 
So we're going to uh, we're going to get the phone lines uh, put together, and we're going to uh, get started here this morning and see what it is that you guys have to say. Want to say thank you, by the way, to our friends over there at Satellite West for sponsoring this hour of the program today. Uh, doesn't matter where you are in the state. They have a solution for you for connectivity, and that means uh, making phone calls, sending emails, sending texts, surfing the Internet. Wherever you are, they have the hardware to make sure that you can do it, uh, whether it's a, at the, the summit of Mount McKinley or Denali, whatever you call it these days, whether it's at the summit there or whether it's uh, you know down on the beach at, uh, in, uh, in Clam Gulch. It doesn't matter. Uh, we they've got uh, they've got the connectivity to make it all happen. So uh, that's what's going on today. So phone lines are open, and we're going to get started there this morning with phone calls and more. In hour two of the show today, we're going to be talking with Chris Chang, Top Shot champion from season four of the History Channel show Top Shot, and we'll talk with him uh, about some things that are going on, including potentially. Uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, story here, um, but they are now, uh, there's a story in The Guardian that was talking about how in California, in Oakland specifically, which is just in the backyard, uh, Chris Chang's backyard, how there's going to be a couple of schools who are out there actually including anti-Second Amendment doctrine in their curriculums. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine a school system putting pro-Second Amendment um, curriculum in. Can you imagine the fervor and the uh, just the absolute blowback and screeching that you would hear from every from every side if somehow, some way, um, that got into some school curriculum? Uh, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that here later on. Chris Chang will be joining us in hour two um, to discuss it, and then we are going to finish up the show this morning. With, uh, of course, our friend Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com, who will come on board and uh, be part of it today uh, to give us the entertainment and the weekend movie review. Now, phone lines. That's what I was looking for. Sorry, I had a, had a senior moment there. Phone lines are open. <clears throat> phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. Firearms Friday, what's it all about? Well, it's about uh, demystifying the firearm. It's about counteracting what you see in everyday narrative. One of my wife's favorite things, um, well, I mean, I don't know if it's a favorite thing, but one of the things that I find my wife doing quite uh, uh, frequently is that uh, she'll be working around uh, you know, the house, the living room, doing whatever, and she's got the TV on in the background while she's, uh, you know, grading the kids paperwork or whatever she's doing knitting i mean she could be knitting at that point and she'll have um on the on the on the tv she'll have uh like law and order that's one of her favorite things boom boom law and order right to uh, to do it um and there have been several times when i've wandered through uh on my way to do something and you know how it is you stop for a second to watch what's on the tv just to see what the to see what the storyline is as you walk by and um you know i i can i i 
there's a handful of times that in just the three or four minutes as I walk through the living room and try and figure out what's going on, I realize that what they've got going on is a truly, uh, uh, just a, a truly frenetic uh, anti-gun subplot going on in one of these television shows. And uh, and I, I just, I think about that and I'm like, this is this is how they want to get you. That they want to tell you these stories and make you feel like, oh, if only the, if only Johnny didn't have a gun, if only they hadn't made him, if only they, you know, it, it, and, and that's been a huge narrative. Now, um, this is no, this is no surprise, uh, as the, uh, president of NBC, and I've forgotten, I've forgotten the guy's name now. It's been so many years, but the president of NBC in the late 90s and the early 2000s was very, very vocal about making sure that many of their dramas had an anti-gun um, slant to them. Um, and uh, and he was very, he 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 talked about it. He talked about it in interviews. He made commentary on it all the time that this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to convince Americans through their entertainment that the right to keep and bear arms was unnecessary, didn't need it to happen and and was just was just wrong. We didn't we didn't need that. Um, and it's been a common thread throughout. I mean, entertainment over the last, uh, you know, 30 years. Really, it has become more and more of a staple. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I can watch shows and uh, I still remember, though, <clears throat> um, I, I can watch shows usually and just kind of overlook it. You know, there's been I have watched episodes of Law and Order and I, it's an enjoyable show sometimes. I mean, it's got some really good, um, um, you know, really good dramatic moments. But there's been a few times when it has been so overt and so blatant. That I just can't. In fact, the one that comes to mind here is um, within the last three or four years, um, I really I like Keith or Sutherland. Right. I mean, 24 and all that. Um, I kind of I kind of like him as an actor and he does well. He had this show called Designated Survivor, um, which kind of I thought was kind of a semi ripoff of the Tom Clancy's clear and present danger where all the members of the of congress and the cat and the president and everybody else are killed and you have this lone sub cabinet member who all of a sudden is the last person in the line of succession and becomes president um anyway uh, i watched the the show for I think I can't remember if I got into the second season or not but i watched the show right up to the point uh, to where they had the third, it was the second or third episode in a row where Keith for Sutherland and his character, and I'm sure it was probably both at the time, went on this rant about how guns in America were bad and the, and the, this whole thing. And it was, it was just so over the top that I had to, I, I just, I just stopped watching the show cold. And now the show had a very interesting subplot and I was I was interested to see where it went and everything else. But at that point, after that, I'm just like, you are not just hitting me over the head with a pillow. You are trying to drive a two by four between my eyes into my brain. That was I mean, it was it was just so blatant. Uh, but this is what we've been suffering from in this country for years. Now, interestingly enough, um, 
the people who are in the know uh, want even more of that stuff, even more. Um, and this is this is despite the fact that the entertainment industry is not having a great time these days, right? I mean, COVID has led movie chains to, they're declaring bankruptcy. You're seeing a consolidation of all these streaming services. Their revenues are finally expecting to decline. People are changing their their consumption habits for entertainment are changing. You know, more people are watching YouTube or TikTok or whatever than are going to the big Hollywood blockbuster. I mean, movies are in theaters, but they're not really the event that they used to be. Uh, I mean, there are just so many, you know, network television is dying and all these other kind of things. So here's the entertainment industry already struggling. But now there's other parts of the entertainment industry that believes that now is the time for more heavy handed lectures from celebrities um, and programming designed to push anti-gun agendas or views, whether they like it. Or not. Uh, Bearing Arms has got a story up about Stacy Smith, the founder of the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative at the University of Southern California. This is a Hollywood think tank. Uh, Stacy Smith said Wednesday that election cycle issues like reproductive rights, gun violence, and gerrymandering are not part of typical storytelling in movies and TV, quote, because women and people of color aren't behind the camera. Uh, Apparently, they didn't see Wonder Woman. I mean, I'm just saying because women were behind the kid. You know, Smith was speaking with the uh, rap editor-in-chief and founder Sharon Waxman about the role of Hollywood in the upcoming election in 2024. Waxman kicked off the conversation with a reminder that midterms are three weeks away, giving Smith a segue into how her research demonstrates the influence that Hollywood can have. All analysis uh, stories and their inclusions or exclusions of topics and themes like reproductive rights, marriage equality, interracial uh, relationships, voting behavior, gun violence, and more. Now, Stacey Smith has gone on to say that gun violence is a priority in the research. Um, Stacey uh, Smith said it's imperative. And the reason why is what groups don't go to the polls? Young people, she said, college students aren't voting in the numbers that they need to right now because they have completely different views on these topics. They're far more progressive. Inclusion is just a way of life. And one of the best ways to get them motivated and going uh, and going is through storytelling. Data doesn't do it by itself, but by telling compelling stories about why they need to show up. The Annenberg Initiative, by the way, is giving some film students $100,000 scholarships to help them tell stories about reproductive justice, how guns are bad, and also finding um, uh, young directors willing and eager to tell tales about the need and the utility of gun bans, red flag laws, and other restrictions of the right to keep and bear arms. Now, we've seen this before. You remember back in 2016, there was a film called Miss Sloan, which starred Jessica, uh, Jessica Chastain. She was a Hollywood lobbyist who was trying to get this gun control bill, this background check bill, signed into law. You may have heard about it because we made a bit of a fuss about it on the show. We, you know, saying that this is never going to do well. It's not going to because this is people don't want to be preached to. And lo and behold, the $13 million film only earned $9 million. 
Turns out Americans aren't really psyched about getting smashed in the face with an anti-gun agenda when they're plonking down 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks to go to the movies. I I think I think that this I think that this could backfire. Maybe, I mean, you know, but but this is what they want to do. They want to include not they want to include more. She acts like there's been no anti-gun themes or story. All you have to what was the uh which one was the lethal weapon with uh, Joe Pesci? The one that as they stood in the police room and there was the anti-NRA posters all over the wall and they had this anti-gun tirade in the in the middle of the movie that was doing nothing but glorifying gun violence from one end to the other. I mean, are you trying to tell me that this is there's not an anti-gun sentiment or bias in Hollywood? Yeah, I I come on. Let's be let's be real here. Let's be real. All right, phone lines are open, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. It is The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free, like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh huh. Uh-huh. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Going backwards here to see what you guys had to say this morning. Not quite as cold this morning. Um, yeah, it was uh, 24 degrees. Uh, 23 degrees. Is that what it says right now? 23 degrees in Wasilla right now. 23. That's what it says. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, all right. Who gets pot shot at the feet this morning? I, you know, it's just coffee. I didn't get any coffee this morning. I feel a little, I feel a little slow. I feel a little slow. Um, Ruben McNeil Jr., when are you scheduled for Michael Dukes? Uh, I don't remember... Did Ruben uh, respond to my question? I don't know if Ruben responded to me um, in response to uh, uh, you, Ben. Uh, I don't know if Ruben McNeil, uh, I don't know if Ruben uh, got an email or, or responded to the email. I don't see a reply here anywhere. So if Ruben is in the chat room and wants to send me a uh, uh, an email, it's right here, me at MichaelDukeShow.com. Okay. Um, kind of different but same question. Significant other's daughter shooting riflery in school and they're shooting airsoft. I don't know Jack about them, but I want to get her her own rifle. Anyone know anything about them? Um. No, I mean, airsoft rifles are basically plastic pellet guns. Um, that's about what I know about them. I've shot one once. Um, but that's that's all I know. Interesting that they they're they're shooting airsoft. Those are non-rifle. I mean, well, from what I know, they're non-rifle. They're a pellet gun. It's not a rifled barrel, whatever. 
it's California. Um, um, yep, said Brian. I I agree. It was good until the second season when it became very moralizing. Oh, he's talking about designated survivor. I mean, I was interested to find out more about it. I wanted it had a good backstory. I mean, you know, was there a conspiracy and did they reinforce the walls and what was going on and all this kind of stuff? And then it went on this three episode jag about guns. And I was just like, okay, I'm no, I'm done. I'm done now. Um, um, uh, Rick uh, says, Bill, we talked about that several weeks ago. No, he, he's talking about an airsoft gun. Airsoft is not like a actual air rifle. It's not a pellet gun. It per se, it shoots plastic. It shoots little plastic BBs. That's what an air, if it's airsoft, that's what an airsoft is. Um, Okay. Uh, I don't go to movies because I don't support the liberal agenda. You know, I haven't been to the movie theater in like four years, three years, four years. Before COVID, I hadn't been to the movies in a year before COVID, maybe more. Um, I watch it all on my TV now. I got this big, nice, big screen, surround sound. Why would I go to the movies? Um, no coffee. I think I'd die, said Laura. It's not that bad. You can do it without coffee. Um, all right. They shoot inside. Well, you could still shoot pellet guns inside. You can shoot air rifles inside. You can shoot 22s inside. You just got to have a way to deal with it. Uh, sun and air went through an airsoft phase, found pellets everywhere for years. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You will find airsoft pellets everywhere. All right. Um, I guess that's it. I'm all caught up on the commentary. All caught up in the commentary. Let's, um, I got no phone calls this morning. Everybody's quiet. It's Friday. But I guess I got to get back to it. So we'll do it. We'll do it right now. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Do this stuff. Let's go. Um, sorry, we're talking about airsoft rifles in the chat room. Apparently, that's what they're using um, for some of the shooting teams now in in schools. Is they're using airsoft rifles, which are just, I mean, they're not even a good. They're not an air rifle. They're just they're a pellet gun. They're they're like a spring loaded. They shoot plastic BBs. Um, and so I don't know how accurate they can be. Again, I'm not a, I don't use airsoft. So, and, and my only experience was airsoft with is about, uh, oh man, it must've been close to 15 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, somebody, a buddy of mine had one and he, you know, took me out to the backyard and we shot it for a few minutes. Um, 
it was just not impressive. Um, I know many rifle teams these days are using like the high speed, uh, you know, um, air rifles, which are the, you know, the expensive one, like a real air rifle, not an airsoft. But, uh, you know, anything to get real guns out of schools, it seems like. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't understand. Um, all right. Um, phone lines to call right now. Uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. And by the way, you can congratulate yourself on being a member of the six o'clock club because, uh, you're in it. You're in the club. There's no membership fees required. Just show up before 7 a.m. and you are in it. So welcome to the program. I guess we got one line on hold. I just saw that there's a line there. I didn't notice it. So let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say since uh, it's gun Q&A and your calls reign supreme before I blather on about something else. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Bonnie in North Pole. Hello, Bonnie in North Pole. How are you this morning? <laughs> You're funny, Mr. Dukes. <laughs> okay. What's going on? What's going anyway, on? <laughs> anyway, what did they ever do to Eric Baldwin in the rough thing? Did they ever charge the man? Did they put him in jail? What did they do with that man? Oh, Alec Baldwin? Yeah, so he settled. Yes, Mr. Uh, Baldwin. Yeah, so he settled a civil suit against him from the family of the director that he killed. Um, he settled that civil suit. That got settled pretty quietly. Um, but there is still talk that the New Mexico prosecutor um, uh, may be pressing charges. She has asked for money uh, from the state legislature um, to uh, mount a uh, to mount a uh, a case. Uh, no words yet on who may be charged, whether it's Alec Baldwin or the uh, Gutierrez, the armorer on the thing, or the or the one of the producers, but. Um, uh, pretty pretty even money on right now that he's probably going to face some uh, charges in that uh, from the state of New Mexico. Well, my opinion, he should. Then you then I heard that they're going to still make the movie Rust. Is yeah, that right. Yeah, so that was the interesting part, and that's what actually that actually came out um, in the um, in the uh, settlement between Alec Baldwin and the family of the of the director of photography. One of the components of the settlement was that um, a family member would be um, uh, that, that that her husband, her husband would now be a co-executive producer on the on the set. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna finish it. Um, that they're going to go back into um, they're going to go back into uh, uh, production early next year, I think, and they're going to finish off the movie. And part of the settlement was was that the husband of the slain director or the slain uh, photographer um, is going to be one of the executive producers of the movie, so that they'll receive you know monies or residuals or whatever. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, very interesting. They are going to, I figured that movie was deader than stone, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's going to still happen. They're going to still make the movie. Okay. That's what they're saying. That's Hollywood for you. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that is Hollywood for you. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but that's where it goes right now. 
Okay. Have a good day. All right. Thank you so much for calling in, Bonnie. We appreciate you. Uh, uh, we appreciate you calling in and, uh, and and being part of it today and asking questions. Yeah, this was a story that came out here about uh, I don't know a week and a half ago. Um, uh, the family of Helena uh, H- Helena Hutchinson, the cinematographer who was shot and killed on the set of the movie Rust last year, has reached a settlement in the wrongful death suit uh, filed earlier this year against the movie's producers, including Alec Baldwin. The settlement uh, were announced in statements reported by Deadline. As part of the agreement, uh, Helena's widower, Matthew Hutchins, will executive produce Rust, which will reportedly return to production in January of 2023 with the original cast. Um, We have reached a settlement subject to court approval of our wrongful death case against the producers of Rust, including Alec Baldwin and Rust Movie Productions, LLC. As part of that settlement, our case will be dismissed. The filming of Rust, which I now executive produce, said Hutchins, will uh, will resume with all the original principal players on the board in January of 2023. Um, so interesting, interesting to see what's going on. And again, no word yet on when or if um, the um, uh, when or if they will be uh, he'll be charged legally with criminal charges. Uh, New Mexico's first judicial district attorney, Mary Carmack Altwise, made clear the settlement will not deter her from contemplating or completing her criminal investigation. Uh, She said the proposed settlement announced today in Matthew Hutchins' wrongful death case against Rust movie uh, producers, including Alec Baldwin, in the death of Helena Hutchins, will have no impact on District Attorney Mary Carmack Altwise's ongoing investigation or her ultimate decision on whether to file charges in the case at a spokesperson for the DA. While civil suits are settled privately and often involve financial awards, criminal cases deal only in facts. Um, again, it's noted that Carmack Altwise had previously noted that charges could be pending against Baldwin and we'll have to see what happens. But, uh, you know, it could be another case. This, this again, would be the ultimate irony uh, for anti-gun actors who, again, continuously go out there and earn a living by glorifying the use of firearms in a variety of settings. Um, I'm looking at you, Liam Neeson. Uh, and then scold everybody else for wanting to be able to have a gun to defend themselves. This may be the ultimate kind of um, uh, karmic justice for that kind of stuff where, uh, uh, you know, something like this happens and uh, he gets hit with some kind of heavy criminal charge. That that right there um, would be some seriously serious karmic justice for sure. 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off, we would love to hear what you guys have to say this morning on this crisp, clean, and beautiful Firearms Friday. A little clear and cold in Fairbanks this morning uh, and uh, still chilly down on the peninsula as well. Um, I'm hoping, again, I'm praying, I'm hoping and praying for a little bit. I just need a little bit more sunshine and a little less snow for just a couple more weeks. Let me get through most of October before we get too much snow around the state. That would be that would be perfection in motion. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, if you'd like to drop me an email, and again, we're here to answer questions, gun Q&A and all that kind of stuff. 
If uh, you'd like to answer, uh, uh, ask some questions, but you don't want to do it on the phone, uh, you can send me an email. The email address is me at MichaelDukesShow.com. That's M-E at MichaelDukesShow.com. I'd love to hear uh, from you there. You can send us an email or you can join us in the chat room where we've just got me and you and, I don't know, 50 or 60 of our closest friends right now hanging out in the chat room asking questions. Um, I will do my best to answer them, or I will crowdsource the information. I love crowdsourcing. I will crowdsource the information from our guests, uh, from our listeners, because we've got the smartest. We got the smartest group of folks listening to this program right now uh, that uh, you've ever seen. So, feel free to uh, feel free to come on board and uh, and drop us an email or join us in the chat room for uh, uh, for any of those things. Uh, all right. Well, we've all heard about Hunter Biden, right? We've all heard about Hunter Biden and his laptop and the crack cocaine and the fact that he used all these guns and uh, or, or lied on the 4473 to buy a gun and do all these other kinds of things. And yet, unlike anybody else who did this, I mean, if I admitted to if I had, if I wrote a book admitting that Michael Dukes did crack cocaine and lied on all these forms and did all this, you'd hear a short story about me, you know, being interviewed by a federal prosecutor somewhere along the lines for lying, uh, uh, which is a felony, by the way, a felony of lying on that federal form. You 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 would definitely see, you know, somebody interviewing me, and I would probably go to the house of many doors for a while on something like that. But nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. But people have made such a stink about this. And there's been so much going on that uh, even President Biden is now being asked questions about what is going on with his son and what does he believe should happen since he is the strident supporter of gun control that he is. They are, uh, you know, they're they're asking some hard questions and his answers are the typical word salad of uh Joe Biden's presidency uh but it raises some interesting questions about what he's looking for and what he's doing Jacob Solom over at Reason magazine has a good article about this as well as Cam Edwards uh, over at Bearing Arms we'll uh, we'll talk about that here in just a minute and we'll dive into that and we will take some more of your phone calls because it's Friday, baby. It's Friday. And I love to talk to you. So let's dive into it. Don't forget, uh, we got uh, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion. Chris Chang is going to be joining us in just a bit. And uh, then we'll have Willie Waffle. That's all coming up dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Your calls and more up next, 907 next, 907-433-3150. Up neck? Up neck? 907-433-3150. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. 
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the high power. Alaska State Troopers love gun control, said Hawk. Uh, really? Yeah, they asked me to look in my house and walked out with my. They asked you to look in your house? Did they have a warrant? Then I'm sorry, I decline. They asked me to look at my house and walked out with my shotgun. Um, I mean, no. They ask you. If they asked, then they didn't have a warrant. Because if they didn't have a, I mean, if they had a warrant, they don't ask anything. They're just like, we're coming in. If they ask, you say no. May I search your vehicle? May I search your house? May I search your car? May I search your, no. I mean, no. Unless you've got probable cause and a warrant, then no, you can't. I'm sorry. That's how it works. That's the rule. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not making it easy for anybody. Well, if you got nothing to hide, but no, but I've got plenty of stuff to protect. I've got to protect my family, myself, and everything else. I don't care uh, about, uh, you know, what people think. I don't care if people think that you're guilty because you didn't cooperate. You need to be able to protect yourself. You need to be able to protect yourself from the overreaches of a uh, aggressive. Look, I could tell you, I could tell you that uh, I could, I could, I could write a book about the stories of people who were falsely accused and later on were able to exonerate themselves, but only after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and having to fight it out in court and everything else. And, and of course, now we're seeing all the things about the FBI and misleading, um, you know, misleading uh, uh, reasons for getting warrants and things like that, misleading the judges and, and telling him different. No, no. No, you don't. They are not your friend. You are right. He said, I was just trying to be friendly with them, but they're not your friend. If they say, I mean, and trust me, it, the, the whole the whole tenor of a conversation will change. I remember 15 years ago, a state trooper's like, um, you know, I'd like to search your vehicle. And I said, no, sir, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's very polite. I'm just like, no, sir. I, you know, well, you don't have anything to hide. I said, no, sir, I have nothing to hide, but I do not feel like surrendering my Fourth Amendment rights right now. And he asked it three. That's the rule. They will ask three times. And he asked one more time. And I said, no, sir, you do not have permission to search my vehicle. Now, I had nothing to hide. But if they're on a fishing expedition, you think they're going to try and find something? You did, you know, unless you have a warrant, are you asking me or are you telling me, says Brian? That's his point. Yes, absolutely. Are you asking me or are you telling me? Am I being detained? Do you have a warrant? Those are things that you should burn into your brain. I'd like to come in and take a look around. Mm, no. Sorry. Can't allow. What did I teach my children early on? If anybody came to the door and said that. I said, I'm sorry, we can't do that. My mom and dad aren't here. And they said, we're not allowed to do that for legal and for liability, uh, you know, for legal and liability issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a little late after the barn door, Hawk said he called the state troopers and told them they're no longer welcome on your land and trespassing unless you have a warrant. 
I mean, that's the thing, you know, the, and again, this is nothing against police officers. They're trying to do a job, although some of them are a little more um, strident about doing it than others. But yeah, you just don't, you know, when somebody's on your doorstep wearing a uniform, you just don't blithely say, sure, come on in, look around. No, I'm sorry. We'll stand on the porch. I don't care if it's 40 below. We'll have the conversation here on the porch. You're not coming into my house unless you have a warrant. Period. That's to protect you, by the way. That's to protect you. That, I mean, yeah. You can't be friendly with them. I mean, you can be friendly, but you can't try to be friendly. They're not your friend. You are 100% right. They're not your friend. Their job is to not is not to protect you. We've already established that. Their job is to investigate crime. Their job is to be there after the fact and prosecute lawbreakers. And it's already been established that the average American breaks three laws a day already, right? That's the name of that book. That's I mean, we unknowingly half the time break laws we don't even realize. So yeah. No, sorry, not coming in. Have a nice day. Uh, man, I could do a whole show just on that right there. Uh, but anyway, tell me your thoughts. 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. We got to get back to it. Let's jive, let's, let's jive into it. Let's jive into it, brother. Let's jump into it here and uh, get going. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. An interesting thing just came up in the chat room. And um, I guess I want to talk about this for a minute because it's on my heart now. I feel, I'm feeling compelled. I am compelled by the spirit. I feel like I'm being compelled to talk about this. Um, one of our folks in the chat room said that... Uh, he had the troopers uh, on his doorstep at one point, and they asked to come in and take a look around, and he was trying to be friendly and allowed them to do it, and they walked out with one of his shotguns or something. Um, and so my first my first response to that was, what? <laughs> okay, so, uh, but here here's, here's what it really comes down to. Folks, you have to know your rights. You you must know your rights inside and out. I talked about talking about my talking to my children early on, uh, from an age when they were able to understand, you know, in their um, in their early teens, and basically said, you know, hey, if uh, if mom and dad aren't home and a police officer comes to the door and asks to look around, just politely tell them that I'm sorry, you know, unless you have a warrant that you can't come around because mom and dad. Uh, said that that's not a good idea for liability reasons, and I and I explained to them why. I read them stories from news articles about people who had allowed police officers into their home and what they thought was like a wellness check or whatever, and people ended up 
getting violated, having things taken, having to defend themselves in court, and ultimately winning, but spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and having their lives torn apart because, you know, somebody decided to go on a fishing expedition. Um, I remember, uh, I, have I've had to do this a couple times in my lifetime, uh, talking with police officers after being pulled over or something. Hey, I, I'd like to, you know, Hey, I, I'd like to search your vehicle. Um, no, I'm sorry, sir. I won't allow that. I do not give you permission to do that. Well, why, what do you got to hide? I have nothing to hide. I just don't feel like surrendering my fourth amendment right. Um, you know, that's it. I just don't feel like because you want to go on a fishing expedition and poke through my car and look for something, I just don't feel like surrendering that right. Um, it reminds me of a story, which I know I have told on this program before, but I'm going to tell it again. Because people, because again, people might say, people might say, hey, well, well, if you've got nothing to hide, then why to do it? I mean, now, first of all, that is the, you know, and that you are brain, you, if you watch Law and Order, first of all, you're going to be brainwashed uh, into thinking you always have to talk to the police and always have to do it. You know, the best thing to do when you're talking to a police officer, especially because you always see them, they're in the room, right? They're in the room, they're at the table. And they're like, what were you doing? Where were you going? What were you doing? You don't answer without an attorney present. That's the thing. You, you, you just, you, you don't, you don't answer a question without an attorney present. And in fact, you don't answer a question. You'll let your attorney answer your questions. You don't talk to the police. That's, I mean, that is a, that is a pretty good, um, that is a pretty good, you, and, and again, it's not just me that says this. It's police officers and experts who've been reading and watching and studying and uh, chronicling this for years. You don't talk to the police. But, you know, especially letting police into your house without a warrant? No. And you're not being obstructive. Don't let them tell you, well, you're being, you know, you're just, don't let them browbeat you. That is your castle. They can't search your vehicle. If they are asking you to search your vehicle, If they are asking you to search your home, that means they don't have probable cause and they don't have a warrant. They may have suspicions. They may just be going on a fishing expedition, but they do not have proof. They do not have probable cause and they do not have a warrant signed by a judge. Your answer is no thank you. No thank you. Uh, save yourself the incriminating conversation in your car. The appropriate answer is I don't talk to the police. Not a bad, not a bad response. I have a card that I keep, um, in my glove box. It's a laminated card that I got from a Fairbanks attorney named Bill Satterberg. Bill's been a guest on the program several times, but it basically, uh, it, it outlines all my rights. And it basically says, uh, you know, I will refuse to answer any questions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, about, you know. And if I feel like a situation is going sideways, I will hand that to the officer along with my ID and my and my insurance cards. 
registration. There you go, right there. And that card will tell them exactly that I will not speak to them about anything other than, you know, it's it's pretty clear. I'll have to see if I can. Uh, I think uh, Satterberg sent me the, I think I actually laminated it myself. Anyway, I've got it in my glove box of my car. And I just transfer it from one car to the other when I've changed cars. Um, that's 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 the way to do it. And again, it's you're not trying to be obstructive. You're trying you are your job is to protect yourself. That's your job. Their job as a law enforcement officer is to try and see if you've broken any laws. That's their job. Doesn't mean they're bad, doesn't mean they're evil, doesn't mean anything else. That's their job. They get kudos and attaboys for putting notches in their belts, for putting people behind bars, for, you know, for prosecuting, for writing tickets, for doing all those things. That's what they're that's how they get paid. Your job is to protect yourself. Now, in the state of Alaska, if you're carrying concealed, you do have to acknowledge that. You do have to talk to the police. You do have to tell an officer, if it's an official contact, that you are armed. And if he requests it, you are required to surrender that firearm to that officer. That does not give him probable cause to search your vehicle. That does not give him probable cause to search your home. Quite honestly, it doesn't give him probable cause to search the rest of you because you have already acknowledged and surrendered your firearm to him. Your only legally, Jeannie, who has worked in law enforcement for uh, quite a long time, said you're only legally responsible to identify yourself unless you are in your home. Then don't answer the door. Don't answer the door. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, and I, and I, I guess this is stuff that in my mind to me is so blatantly, I was just shocked when I read this in the chat room that this happened. And all I could think of was why, why I don't care how polite they are. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how smiling and, and, you know, beneficent and everything else that these people appear. If they say, no, what if your door's open? Your door being open is not an invite for them to come in especially if you're standing in it. And like I said, if, if police showed up on my door and I uh, wanting to ask questions and I was there and I actually answered the door, I would step outside and close the door. Uh, there, you know, we will do this on the porch. You are not invited into my home. Sorry. That's not how it works. You... Only keep your rights as long as you know them and you exercise them. That's the bottom line. And I hope that this is an educational point for everyone. You have to know the laws. You have to know how to exercise them. There's a video um, that is called, uh, that is, is entitled, Don't Talk to the Police. Don't talk to the police. Uh, and I'm always trying to remember the guy's name. He's a professor. Uh, at uh, the Regent University Law School. And um, he, this video, which is 46 minutes long, is just a prime example of why you should never uh, 
speak to the police. Uh, was, it is uh, James Dwayne um, who does this presentation. But at the end of his presentation, he has a police officer come up and basically critique what he just said. And the police officer basically says, I agree with everything that he just said. So there you go. You should go watch it. Don't talk to the police. James Dwayne, Reuters, Reuters University. Uh, all right, we're coming up on the commercial break. So we're going to uh, continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Chris Chang is up in Hour 2, plus Willie Waffle. We'll have a few more things to say here right at the top. Be back with more right after this. Um, okay, so Chris says, immediately you have to say this first words out of your mouth. I don't know. Uh, oh, are you talking about notifying the police officer that you have to have a, that you have a firearm? I mean, that should be one of the first things you say. Yes. I mean, when they contact you, I mean, you could ask, is this an official contact? Because saying hi to some cop in a Denny's as you're walking by him is not an official contact. It is in their official capacity. That's the the verbiage says something along the lines of, you know, contact with a police officer in their official capacity. Not just you're all standing around in a group at a parade or something. Uh, you don't have to walk up to the officer and say, officer, I'm armed because you're here. No, it's if they are in co- if they contact you in their official capacity. Yeah, I, I just no. Sorry, not interested. You can legally retreat into your home and close the door in their face, says Jeannie. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, I posted the uh, links up in the chat room. Uh, if you want to go take a look at that, uh, if you want to go watch that video, never talk to the police. I would, if you've never seen this, I would recommend you take a little time. It's Friday, right? So Friday night, take the 40 minutes that it takes, 46 minutes, and watch him go over that. This is, this, this, this video has 17, almost 18 million views. (laughs) It is a... Uh, it is an amazing thing. He also did another. Um, he also did another speech in front of the Cato Institute about six years ago, called "You Have the Right to Remain Innocent," um, which is also pretty pretty good. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I'm I'm. Go do it. Just go. Just go do it. Go watch that later today. And it will explain all of that right there. Only had to surrender my pistol once. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, I got a real a-hole, okay? Because I notified the officer that I was carrying concealed as per the law. He asked that I surrender it. I did so. He returned it to me. He brought it back. And he had a, it was like a giant gallon Ziploc baggie. He had disassembled my pistol. 
I mean, taken it all apart and put and 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 unloaded every cartridge out of the magazine and everything else. And it was a big clanky bag of pieces and parts. And he's like, I mean, this guy, he was an a-hole, right? And I was driving a pickup at the time. And he's like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take this and I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to put it in the bed of your truck and you're going to sit here and wait for me to leave. And only after I've left, can you get out of the truck and go get that bag? You will not move from this vehicle until after I'm gone. No, it was a 1911. I mean, he took it down to pieces and parts. It was a 1911. And, uh, and, and, and you, but you will not, you will not move until I, and he'd literally walk back, put it in the bed of my truck and got back in and, you know, <sighs> isn't that in the U S constitution that we have the right to be secure in our homes as sovereign citizens, we have the right to be secure in our homes, but you have to exercise that right. If they ask you and you say, yes, you've given the right up. That's the thing, Hawk. You got to know the right to exercise the right. You got to know the right. You got to know that you can say no. If they are asking, you can say no. Well, we'd like to search your vehicle. Can we can we go ahead and look around? No. Well, we just like to come in and check around, make sure everything's okay. Is that okay? No. I do not give you permission. Do you have a warrant? Am I being detained? Thank you for your service and have a nice day. But that's the thing. You do have a right to be secure in your home. You do have a Fourth Amendment right to be able to be protected from unlawful searches and seizures. But you have to exercise it. You cannot, if they, here's the, here's the thing. If police are asking you for permission for something, it means they don't have the legal authority to do it without your permission. Then the answer is no, because if you say, well, no, and then they say, well, I have a warrant anyway. Okay. Well, then why are you asking? That's, that's the bottom line. And again, this is nothing against police officers. They have a job to do, but their job is to find people who are breaking the law. And the way they get the gold stars, the way they get advancement, career advancement, the way that they get their, you know, their attaboys and everything else is by carving notches in their belts, is by putting people in jail, by issuing tickets and citation, by prosecuting people. That's how they get ahead. I'm not going to play that game. Again, if there's proof and not just suspicion or supposition, they will have they will have a warrant and uh, they won't have to ask my permission for anything. They will tell me to go outside while they search. That's what's going to happen. All right. So, um, I don't know how we got off on this subject. Uh, I know how we got off on that subject. Uh, that just sucks like a poop sandwich, says Hawk. Yeah, well, again, that's why I'm telling you right now, you must exercise those rights, but you've got to know them to exercise them. You have the right to remain innocent 
until proven guilty. Gotta go. Hour two dead ahead. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Duke Show. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Take my rifle, Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a Second Amendment nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll find the audio-only live stream and links to our social media accounts and all the streams and everything else that we've got going on out there. Feel free to just... Go out there and check it out. Do it. Oh, the podcast is there too. The podcast, um, which uh, is approaching three hundred thousand plays for the last twelve months, almost three hundred thousand plays of the show on the podcast in the last twelve months. That's pretty exciting. I, that really, that really is. So I appreciate you listening and subscribing to the podcast. I've met many people who have said, yeah, I can't get up that early in the morning, so I just listen to you on the podcast. That's fine. You can actually listen to me at 1.5 speed, <laughs> at one and a half time speed, where I just talk all the time really fast. Uh, one and a half time speed. You can get through a two-hour show in one and a half times. <laughs> so just go, go do what you need to do. Go do what you need to do. Um, <clears throat> we were just talking about knowing your rights, uh, here in the last segment. And I, we kind of derailed, uh, from the strictly talking about guns, but you have to know that even in a state that is as friendly to firearms, uh, as Alaska is that you have to understand the law and know the rights. It's one of the reasons why that even though we are a right to carry state, meaning you don't have to have a permit to carry concealed. It's one of the reasons why I still recommend that if you plan on carrying concealed all the time, that you would at least go through one of the concealed carry courses, the courses that are required to actually get your permit. I mean, and at that point, you might as well get your permit um, because I think, well, I don't want to say it's been uh, 10 years since I, I think it's 120. After you paid for the course, I think it's only 125 or 150 bucks to do the paperwork to get the to get the actual permit. The permit's got some benefits. The permit in the state of Alaska has got some benefits. One, uh, they have uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, chat room, but I believe that they have reinstated the Nix bypass now. So you are Nix exempt when you go to buy a new gun. Since you've got the permit, it shows that you're a good guy and you don't have to you don't have to wait for the Nix check. Um, they took that away for a few years, and I think they brought it back now. The second thing, of course, is reciprocity. If you are planning on traveling across the lower 48 and you have an actual concealed carry permit, Alaska's concealed carry permit has reciprocity with something like, I can't remember now, is it 26 states or something? They We have reciprocity. So if you have an Alaska concealed carry permit, it is valid in X number of other states. So there's some benefits to having a concealed carry permit. doesn't mean you have to renew it unless you want to. But I always recommend that people who are going to carry concealed, who've made the decision to go forth armed, should take that class because the class describes a lot of part of the part of the course, as per Alaska statute, requires that a law enforcement officer come in and talk about portions of Alaska law. Uh, use of deadly force, interactions with police officers, everything else. So I recommend that you take a course. I mean, uh, on that, it's an investment in you. This is this comes back to what I talked about. Um, you know, as the rule of three for concealed carry. There's a I ha- I call it the rule of three um, because if you're going to buy a pistol and carry it concealed, I recommend that you you budget three times the amount of the cost of the pistol for that course of action. So for example, your <clears throat> your your Glock or whatever is 500 bucks. I recommend that you budget 1500. You don't have to do it all at once, but I recommend that you you budget $1500 to complete that whole situation because you'll need $500 for the pistol. You'll need $500 for good accessories which include a good high quality holster preferably in you know bonded leather or kydex something that stays open that you can still holster one-handed with um uh it includes a good belt a riggers belt or a leather patrolman's type belt um that holds up that that doesn't you know flop around and your pistol is going to be secure on you know snap caps extra magazines and if you're using any of these new fancy Target X systems where you, you know, put the thing in your pistol and you shoot your iPhone with it for, for practice, for dry fire exercises, dummy rounds. I mean, all the, that's another $500. And the final $500 will be for training. Concealed carry pistol, combat pistol, practical pistol, beginners, uh, introduction to firearms, whatever it is. You should spend $500 on training yourself. That's, I mean, that's, that's what the rule of three is about because you have to understand, you have to understand the interactions. We were just talking about, you know, not talking to the police, not talking about, you know, not answering questions, not allowing them to search your vehicle. Those are beyond the scope of the concealed carry course. But if you are carrying concealed, you have a requirement to identify yourself to the police officer. You are required to identify yourself. And you are required to inform a police officer in the course of their duties if they contact you in an official capacity. You are required to inform them, the officer, I am a concealed carry, uh, that I'm carrying concealed. I'm carrying a concealed firearm. As per Alaska law, I'm notifying you that I am carrying a concealed firearm. And you at that point, if they require it, would have to surrender that firearm for the duration of the encounter 
for their safety. They have the right to request that you turn the firearm over to them for the duration of the encounter, and then they will return it to you. So, it's you got to know the law. you got to know the law to be able to, to exercise your rights. You have to know your rights to be able to exercise your rights. That's, that's how it works. That's how it works, and that's why it works. Okay, uh, let's go over to the phones here, 907-433-3150. We will uh, see what you guys have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Jeremy Hawkins. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? But uh, Pretty good. You know, I, I think that the fact that we have to exercise those rights, I mean, it's like we're living under a Gestapo government or something where you can't even defend your own place without the Gestapo showing up or something. I mean, they're, they're out of control, Mike. Well, I mean, look, if they, again, if they're standing on your front porch and they're asking to search your place, my first question, of course, would always be, my first answer is, uh, do you have a warrant? And if the answer is no, then no, thank you. I mean, that that's it. I but mean, they don't even care if they have a warrant or not. I mean, they'll just come and uh, take advantage of people. And like this, uh, that's why I love air guns, Michael Duke, is because you don't need like no ATF certification and yeah air guns are a little more sophisticated i mean you wouldn't want to go to war with one or anything but i mean it's enough especially like that uh 50 caliber dragon rifle right yeah it's made in china but Whatever, I mean, that thing will take a moose down. I mean, well, I mean, at, it's air at rifles. A couple hundred yards. Yeah, no, look, air rifles are great and everything else, but again, you you have to you have to understand your rights to be able to exercise them, and you have to understand that again, it's not the police's job to one protect you. That's decided by law. Right. That that's right. that's decided by law that it's not their duty to protect you. Their duty is to investigate crime and their other duty is to not protect your rights. I mean, they are required to uphold the Constitution, but it's not their job if you give away your rights or allow them. That's why they ask questions. That's why they always say, can I search this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Yeah. If you give them permission. Never allow them on your property at all. Yeah. You know, and tell them uh, you're not welcome here. Like, I used to want to have a coffee and bagel stand down on the corner or something, but no more of that. They're not your friends. They're not no, there I mean, to protect yeah, they're not, right. Well, they're not here to be your friend. I mean, they may be your friend. They may be nice. They may be, I'm not saying the police are bad. I'm saying uh, it's not their job to be your friend. It's their job to solve crimes, to find people who have broken the law, 
and to if they don't have any information or whatever, it's their job to get the information and the proof. And so if you're willing to turn that over to them and willing to give up your rights, then that is that's okay by them. They have the they have the right to ask. We have to know enough to say no. That's the thing, Jeremy. We have to know enough to say no. And uh, as much as, you know, the police are a much needed part of society, we have to understand that it's not their job to protect our rights in those situations or to even inform us of our rights in those situations. The only time they're required to do that is when they're reading us the Miranda as they're slapping the bracelets on. That's what it comes down to. Thank you, Jeremy, for your call. I think I have time for one more call here before we run out of daylight. We got Chris Chang, who's about to be joining us here in just a few moments. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Mike. It's uh, Fred in Rhode Island. How you doing? Hey, Fred. What's going on? Not much. You know, the, you know, the, uh, you know, the verdict yesterday, the Nicholas Cruz, the outcome of the Nicholas Cruz sentencing uh, you know, trial, uh, I'm really disappointed in, a, in the outcome of that, and the fact that you know they gave him life in prison with all the possibility of parole, which is a pretty harsh. However, I think considering the crime that he committed, you know, I think the death penalty would have been a much more suitable outcome for you know the, as to the punishment that he really should have received for more than one reason. Not only, not only in Set, you know, providing him with the proper sentence that he should receive for what he did. But the message it sends out to the rest of society, especially the younger people in society who have this blatant disregard for life, you know, and health and everybody else, everybody else's welfare, you know, they selfishly just, you know, for whatever reason, either mental health or just, you know, they get some strange ideas, uh, running around, uh, you know, shoot, shoot, shooting things up and killing people. It's terrible, you know, and I think we have to be, we have to find a way to send a more harsh sentence to these people that will send also a loud and clear message to the rest of the society. Yeah. That, you know, if you, you do that, it's, it, you know, you're all done. I mean, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to get three hots in a cot for the next 70 years behind bars. It's, it's done. You're, you're, it's all over for you. No, I agree. I mean, those kind of heinous crimes, and I don't know who the guy. I don't name. I don't name mass killers on this program, so I can't even remember. I'm assuming that this guy is one of the mass shooters you're talking about. Um, but yeah, if you do something well, like that, you are yeah. You don't get. You don't get to go to jail if you're convicted. You go to the chair. Uh, because that's the only way. And this is the whole question about public hangings and everything else. There was a price to pay and they knew it. And it wasn't 73 appeals and you're, you know, you're in prison in the law library learning to be your own lawyer and everything else for the next 30 years after you committed this heinous crime. No, you're right. The death penalty, I'm in favor of that um, for these kind of uh, heinous crimes. Absolutely, Fred. Well, you know, well, and if it's going to be carried out, it should be carried out with the, with the possibility of appeal because there have been one or two instances where the wrong person was convicted. And fortunately for the one or two that survived the death penalty, you know, they, they turned out, you know, the case is overturned because the evidence later on for the advent of like DNA, DNA sampling and all that nowadays right. was able to reverse the, reverse the charges on a wrongful conviction. However, 
it doesn't outweigh the fact that uh, you know that those who are guilty obviously are guilty. Yeah, should pay the ultimate price. You know, no, for, 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 I, you know, I'm a hundred percent. The more the more important message is what we send out to society. The message we send to society, and I think if we if we really did that, you know, regardless of these woke, uh, you know, attorney generals, and yeah. anyway, you don't you prosecute anything. I I agree. I agree with you, Fred. I'm sorry, I got to go. I appreciate your call. Thanks for coming in, folks. We're out of time. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, is up next. We're going to continue in just a moment. You're home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Man, we ran a little long there, uh, so long, in fact, that Chris Chang is already up in the green room ready to go. And so uh, we'll go over and uh, chat with him here real quick. Uh, joining us on the program this morning, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, Season 4. Hello, my hey, friend. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? How, how are things going in uh, sunny, uh, sunny California or wherever you happen to be in the world right now? Uh, yeah, I'm in California. It's a little foggy and misty today, but uh, I don't mind the uh, I don't mind the mist. You don't it's mind nice the change mist. Of pace. Better than smog? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Better than the smog? Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Well, we were just talking about um, I don't know. We got off on a little bit of a sidetrack today, talking about knowing your rights, especially <clears throat> in this country, uh, and especially with firearms and searches and seizures and interactions with the police and everything else. And um, uh, is that anything that you do you ever teach that when you're talking about uh, firearms and gun safety or anything like that? Well, uh, yes. I mean, I, I don't get into the specifics because you know I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an attorney, but in general. It's always recommended that gun owners understand your local and state laws in particular, obviously, and also the federal laws. But getting down to the state and local levels can get really complicated, especially here in California, where you have a lot of cities that have passed various anti-gun measures. And you know, a lot of these anti-gun laws are unenforceable and unconstitutional. You know, that said, you know, regardless of what your opinion might be about any kind of gun control laws, you should you should still know and be aware of what the laws are. And then obviously you can make your own decisions as to, right. you know, how you uh, how you exercise your Second Amendment. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, here in Alaska, you know, we're a right to carry state. So we it's not required to have a permit or, or you know, beg the king's permission to be able to carry a firearm. But I have my recommendation is always that if you've decided to go forth armed and to carry concealed, that you should take a concealed carry course, because by law up here, they have to have a law enforcement officer uh, uh, or a peace officer come in and describe to you, you know, use of force, law, you know, lawful use, uh, interactions with police. Police, all that kind of stuff. That's that's great information that you need to have, even if you're not going to get a permit, because you need to, you know, you're not, it doesn't, uh, just because we don't have a permit, it doesn't excuse you from not understanding the law. And it's the easiest way to get the information. Exactly. And, you know, I, I have my CCW in other states and went through, you know, some CCW training and, and the, the educational uh, components are really important, right? Talking about the legal implications of using your firearm in self-defense out in, in, in public 
will often result in your firearm being confiscated, right? right. In the yeah. course of any kind of an investigation, you might need to pay some fees, right? To, you know, have the police hold your weapon and uh, check the weapon back out to you, right? It could be six to 12 months before you see that firearm again. Yeah. Uh, and then, right, if you end up getting sued, if you end up, right, going to court, I mean, there's just like a lot of different things that could happen to you uh, legally, right? If you use your concealed carry weapon, uh, in self-defense and then of course there's the ethical right components too uh, of just understanding the consequences of either injuring someone or taking someone's life even if it is right you know valid self-defense right, there there are some ethical considerations and also understanding just the psychological and the emotional right. components that that are just naturally entailed right yeah. if you ever uh, find yourself in an unfortunate violent situation where you need to use your CCW. I remember taking a <clears throat> combat pistol course and uh, it was one of the things that I had not considered was mindset and the aftermath, you know, and the civil, it's not just criminal, there's civil liabilities. You could be sued by the person that the family, the person that it could be a hundred percent legal, righteous shoot. They could have been a mad, madman with a wielding a machete and you could still be sued by the family for wrongful death. I mean, you still have to, you know, you have to consider all those things as you're going through those kind of things. But the legal ramifications to me are very interesting because different jurisdictions have different ideas. You have to know the law and you have to know when to when to and when not to speak to the police. You have to. I mean, those are things that, you know, and the, and the answer is always for me, never speak to the police. You can identify yourself and then say, I'd like my attorney. Even again, if it's a hundred percent righteous shoot, I would like my attorney. That would be the first thing that I would say. All right. And have your attorney on speed dial. Exactly. Who your attorney is and have them on speed dial. You you got to have one. Yeah. You got to have that one for sure. All right. Chris Chang, Mm -hmm. top shot champion. Let's get into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense radio. All right, Firearms Friday continues. Top Shot champion Chris Chang, author of the book Shoot to Win, uh, professional uh, shooter, all around, uh, all around good guy, uh, joins us on the program uh, once a month to talk about things. Today's no different. He's joining us from foggy, not sunny California, but foggy California this morning. He joins us to talk about, um, uh, well, I don't know what else. We, we we could talk about the Oakland school thing and the anti-Second Amendment curriculum that they're putting together or whatever else you've got going on. Chris, what's happening these days? Yeah, well, uh, the Oakland situation is something I'd love to address. And then also, I recently just filmed another set of videos, uh, firearms safety and education videos, with the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the Firearms Industry Trade Association. So I think uh, those two items might Absolutely. be funny to talk about. Well, let's today. talk about that first then, because uh, you uh, that was part of the that was part of the prize for Top Shot, right? You went to you you kind of went to work and and started to represent the NSSF out there in the world. You became kind of a, an ambassador, and uh, so you've been doing a lot of good work with them over the years. What's the latest then? Yeah, as a safety ambassador for the firearms industry, it's been uh, just just a real honor, right, to be one of the many faces, you know, putting a good face on gun ownership. And a big part of that, right, is encouraging the educational parts of learning safe firearm handling and operation. And so, you know, over the past two years, 
we've seen over 12 million new first-time gun owners, which is unprecedented in the yeah. firearms yeah. space. Huge. And so, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we know that there are so many first-time gun owners who simply think, oh, I'll buy the gun and then it'll somehow magically use itself, right? It's like, no, 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 right? you got to go get trained. You have to understand right, how to operate the, the firearm. And so this second set of videos that the NSSF and I just filmed, they're, they're less of a firearms 101 approach. That was uh, six years ago uh, when we filmed a bunch of educational videos on Really, it's like fundamentals of marksmanship for pistol, rifle, and shotgun. Those videos have almost 40 million views, you know, over the past, you know, six, seven years, which has been a phenomenal success. And so building off of that success, these next videos that we're going to be releasing over the next few months are much more about firearms culture and what to expect at the range, for example. Or if you're if you're a first-time shooter, when you walk into a range, you might see uh, sales associates behind the counter with holstered pistols. And, right. you know, I know this next, and, and some of these, some of these details for us, you know, uh, experienced shooters, right. may sound mundane, but we have to put ourselves into the mindset of a new shooter who has never fired a gun. And so, you know, part of these videos, I talk about how, I know this sounds really pedantic, but when you enter a shooting range, there are going to be gunshots and they're going to be loud. And one thing that I really emphasize in this video is that, you know, we have to remember that a lot of new shooters, they're anxious, they're nervous, they're fearful. And I want to acknowledge and tell them, like, that's okay, right? That's really normal, right? And I think affirming their, these new shooter fears is the way to get them in the door, right? Right. It, it's, it's a way of saying, hey, look, I understand how you feel, like that, how you're feeling is totally legit. But trust me, right, come come to the range, right, shoot a few times, and you'll get over that fear, right? You'll learn how to safely operate a firearm. You're going to have a safe time and a great time. So a lot of these new videos that will be coming out with uh, me and the NSSF over the next few months are, are designed to reduce these barriers to entry, to encourage new shooters to go get training and to have a great time. And also for us current gun owners, the message is we need to take those new shooters to the range, right, and help train that next generation of gun owners. Absolutely. I mean, there's just been this blossoming in the gun community. And surprisingly, the I know the NSSF has come up with numbers uh, about, uh, you know, the demographics. I mean, these are people who are, you know, women, minorities, uh, people, uh, even people of a, of a of more left-leaning political persuasion. There's more and more people who are buying it because I think the world got a little weird, right? And people were a little concerned about their safety. And so, but we do have to work with these new people and because we got to welcome them with open arms and they have to have this information. And to you and me, it may seem like old hat, like you said, walking into a gun store and every employee's got a pistol on their hip. And some people would be like, ha, you know, that's freaking me out, you know, kind of thing. Uh, not understanding that that's just another normal day at the range, you know, for, for a lot of folks. So yeah, no, this is a, it's good. I'm glad to see that you're doing work in that area. Um, you've done a lot of good stuff. 
stuff, and the NSSF has been, uh, uh, I think, instrumental in trying to normalize the usage of firearms, and they're doing a pretty good job of it overall, uh, for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit here about this Oakland thing. So Oakland has decided that they're going to include this anti-Second Amendment agenda or curriculum in their schools, although initially when you read through it, it doesn't seem like it is. Uh, that, you know, in the way they describe it, but in the execution, it is definitely anti-Second Amendment. It's a really concerning trend uh, that, that, you know, for me, I live in San Francisco. Oakland is right across the bay. And, you know, I mean, I guess no surprise right, that an anti-gun community would, you know, create an anti-gun educational curriculum. Now, you know, what's concerning for me, I guess, are two parts. Now, look, I think no matter what issue we're talking about, I think educators have a responsibility to show both sides or if there's multiple sides of a debate, right, to say, well, look, right, here's the the pro side, here's the anti side, and maybe there's right some other some other sides. But like the problem with this Oakland curriculum is it's completely biased, right, against the Second Amendment. Right. So that's problem number one that I have with what uh, you know what with what this Oakland school district is doing. Number two. The concerning piece here uh, is they've packaged the curriculum in a way that can be easily shared with other educators, right? So if they want to initiate or uh, implement this anti-gun curriculum in their classrooms across the country, across the world, you know that that's where you know they're, they're you know there's this potential for them to scale out the program, for them to right. indoctrinate, you know, young people into thinking that, you know, all guns are, all guns are bad. And um, look, you know, the, again, yeah, it, it's not educators' responsibility to indoctrinate students with one particular mindset, right? Right. Where, you know, one way or another, it's about telling the truth about, look, this is the, this is the real world, what the, the, the arguments for, and the arguments against something. And, you know, really quick, you know, when I was in high school, there was a government teacher who's very controversial, uh, but I had a lot of respect for him because the controversy for him was every single class topic they had, he, he forced every student to understand the pros and the cons right. of any particular issue. Right. And a lot of parents and a lot of students did not like that. They did not like the balance of arguments, right? <laughs> that the, the, right. the natural debate and conflict, right? That does happen, right? Sure. When you talk about the pros and cons of an issue. And, and he took a lot of heat. I mean, he took a lot of heat because he was failing students, you know, because they, they couldn't argue. And again, when I say argue, like, you know, intellectually and educationally argue, right? The merits or the basis of of certain uh, arguments and, and debates. And so, you know, he's failing students and that, you know, lowered the district's graduation rate because he was a <laughs> senior year government teacher, right? right? He was just doing his job. And I think I thought he was doing his job amazingly, but right, this is, I guess, the point. Educators aren't encouraged, right, right to well, encourage this kind of debate. The free, again, free thinking, free debate, you know, logic, rhetoric, and reason. That's what we need. And this, this has no balance in this curriculum. And that's the important part. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, Season 4. Thank you, my friend. Hold the line for just a second. We'll chat with you off uh, off the air. Folks, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
Okay, uh, <clears throat> Chris Chang, Top Shot champion. Sorry, that t- goes so fast. It goes so fast. I know, but, right? <laughs> I know. But you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, here's what they said. Uh, uh, the the guest speakers for the curriculum include victims of gun violence, city officials, and violence prevention specialists who are invited to address the entire school, but not one mention of experts on the Second Amendment, not one mention of statisticians talking about the rates or anything else. This is all, it's very much... You know, you've got a captive audience, soft heads full of mush. They're having them create and write op-eds. What they say? Op-eds based on the information that they're given. They create shooting maps of the areas around where they are and, and do it. I mean, it's like they're there's hyper-focusing on all this kind of stuff and yet giving no balance to the situation. And that's what they call indoctrination. That's, that's I mean, it's yeah. there's really no other way to put it. And especially when, you know, these kids are like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. And we all know, hey, at that age, you're often, you know, willing to please your teacher, right? Say and do the things yes. that are going yes. to get you the good grades that are going to, you know, you're going to get your teacher's affirmation. Right. And so, right, there's this, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous experiment, right, of, yeah, indoctrinating students with one particular line of thought. They're being rewarded, I'm sure. Uh oh, praise and with good grades. If they basically toe the line, yeah. No, that's it's it's a frustrating thing uh, to uh, to see. And again, this for me personally is reason number four hundred and twelve why I homeschooled my kids. That's pretty much the reason why I did. Because I mean, we are able to teach those things. Uh, but this really is kind of a California thing. But again, the troubling thing is is that they've kind of put it into this neat little package that can be franchised out to other schools around the country. That's the troubling thing. Um, Brian Brian in the chat room just said. Lenin nods. Yes, Lenin nods. That's exactly it. Uh, all right, Chris Chang, uh, Top Shot. Oops, it looks like you mu- you muted your mic there, Chris. It says you've muted yourself accidentally. Um, final thoughts here before I let you go. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, what do you got coming up? Where do people need to go to find you? What's happening? Yeah, uh, so you know, keep an eye on these new NSSF videos that'll be coming out on social media over the next few months. And they're, you know, while they're targeted towards you know the the new shooter, the new gun owner, these are also useful videos for uh, you know experienced gun owners. I think they're designed to be a reminder of who we are as gun owners, the role and responsibilities that we have, not just as gun owners exercising our our Second Amendment right, but our responsibility to pass on the values and and the principles around the Second Amendment, right? And that we have to make sure, right, in order to keep America a, a strong, great country, we have to pass those values and encourage others to live the ideals and the values that our country was founded on. And so, uh, keep an eye out for those videos. I'm, I'm really excited for them to to hit, uh, hit, hit, hit the internet. Well, there's a lot of gun safety videos out there, but there's not a lot of videos on gun culture. And so I think it's really find a need, fill a need. I think that's a good slot to educate people. So what we try and do on Firearms Friday, we don't necessarily always go over gun safety, but we talk a lot about gun culture. We talk about counterculture. We talk about, you know, um, de- you know, demystifying the firearm. We talk about, you know, uh, unscrewing a lot of the misinformation that's put out there. So, I mean, I think we need that kind of stuff uh, definitely at a very high level. And I'm glad to see that you guys are tackling that. And I look forward to uh, seeing what the video videos bring. 
So uh, I'm loving it. Uh, Chris Chang, uh, Top Shot Champion, Season 4. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. As always, it's great to see you. Uh, and we actually made it all the, way th- all the way through the interview. Your internet held up mostly through the interview. So we're all we're all good this Woo. morning. Yeah, I know. Hey, it's this world of high speed. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks till, as always, Michael. I can't wait till we get Starlink. And then we don't have to worry about it, right? That's the, that's the bottom line. All right. There we go. All right, Chris. Thanks so much, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board and joining us today uh, on the program. Uh, all right, folks, uh, we're coming up on it here in just a moment. Let me go back through any of the comments that we're going through here uh, to see uh, what we need to talk about. Jeannie says the three rights you need to know are the Fourth, the Fifth, and the Fourteenth Amendment. I would agree with uh, pretty much all of those as well. Um, uh, let's see. Um uh, Jeannie also talked about, uh, we were talking about cops being friendly and asking questions. And unfortunately, this is something that's actually taught, uh, in police academies is it's a ruse, um, where they're again, trying to be friendly or trying to do things, trying to trip you up, trying to get all those things, um, uh, you know, trying, trying to get you basically to incriminate yourself. Uh, and, and it's part of what they do. That's, you know. You, but you've got to be aware of what's going on. You have got to be aware of how it works and, and what happens there. Okay. Well, we're about uh, 20 seconds out, uh, and we should, be, uh, we should be ready to go here in just a hot second. Uh, Willie Waffle is going to be joining us uh, here. In, in fact, the phone is just now buzzing, so we're ready to go. Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com, about to jump into this with us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share. Here we go. Okay. Let's do this thing. Yeah. It's the movies, baby. Oh, man. I'm in trouble, too. I'm in total trouble because I didn't watch Oblivion. Oh, man. It's... Oh, I'm such a bad person. All right. See, I feel guilt. Willie never feels guilt when I tell him to watch something and then I'll watch. He's like, yeah, it's okay. I'm busy. Uh, but I feel guilt. See, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. How do you live with yourself? That's my question. I am an understanding, caring, forgiving human being. And I know that things happen during the week. Yeah. We, uh-huh. we have we have busy lives. Uh-huh. We have, you know, families we have to care about, uh-huh. jobs we have to care about. Uh-huh. Sometimes you you just don't get to the movie you were supposed to watch. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> I just don't get to the movie that I was supposed to watch and that's all bad on me. All right, well let's uh let's jump into this here. Um Tom Cruise. Uh he's everywhere, he's all things, he's doing it all. You love him, you hate him, but now he's in space. Space. I mean, he's been in space before, but I guess now he's really in space. What? Oh, yeah, that's right. He wants to head off to the final frontier. Yes. Uh, and I wish that meant he was going to be in a Star Trek sequel. But no, that was just a, that was just a quick line. No, st- no, this is something that was starting to develop before COVID hit and uh, kind of went on the back burner and is being revived. Tom Cruise is joining forces with director Doug Lyman on a project that would have them film at the International Space Station. And on top of that, 
Tom Cruise would become the first civilian to ever spacewalk. I mean, for reals. This is not in the movie. For real. To shoot the movie, he would actually go to the space station and actually go into space. Yes. And I'm sorry. If they can convince NASA... Well, actually, I'll take it back. They probably don't have to convince NASA. they got to convince the Russians, who probably need the money. So yeah. they'd be like, yo, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, send a, we'll send a rocket up with you, and uh, you'll, you'll float around the space station, and we'll give you the suit so you can go spacewalking. Just make sure you pay us in dollars and not rubles. Well, they backed out. I mean, they're out of the... They evacuated the space. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But, uh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. What exactly? No premise, no plot, no nothing. Just he's got a space walk to save the day that's pretty much what it is you know is you know lyman said listen all i'll tell you is that the plot mostly takes place on earth but tom cruise to save the day would have to go to the space station and do a spacewalk and i'm like yeah that sounds realistic that <laughs> really does i can't wait I can't. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm going to be there opening night. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah. We're going to see it. <laughs> uh, it's Halloween season, and of course that means that we're going to see a lot of Jamie Lee Curtis in my house because, uh, in fact, I think last night my wife was watching back-to-back Halloween Michael Myers. I mean, it was a thing. Uh, but she wants to do, she just did Halloween Ends, which we're going to talk about tonight, but she also wants to do something a little more family-friendly. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is no dummy. She knows that there's money in the sequels, all right? And since, you know, Halloween ends, wink, wink, she's trying to get another franchise coming back into the fore, bringing another sequel to us, and that would be for Freaky Friday. <laughs> and, and, you know, this is what I appreciate, okay? She's not like one of these Kim Kardashian, Taylor Swift people who was doing an interview and just said, Oh, it'd be really great to direct a movie or to do some more acting. No. Jamie Lee Curtis, who's already working on a Disney movie, The Haunted Mansion, has been actively lobbying and writing to Disney executives to make this happen because she is a doer. That's great. Doer. I mean, now, Lindsay, <laughs> Lo- Lindsay Lohan was in the first one, right? And yes, so yes. I doubt yes. you could scrape her up from wherever she's at to try and get her to do it, but you'd have to find no, somebody you else. No, could. Really? Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan's making a comeback, man. Lindsay okay. Lohan, she is making a comeback. She is going to be in one of Netflix's most anticipated holiday movies this year. And she is viewing this as a step back into acting. So, yeah. you know what? Do, doing the Disney remake actually makes, a, or doing the Disney sequel makes a lot of sense for her. It does. I mean, that would be great. Uh, she was good in it. I enjoyed it. Not as much as the original, but it's hard to beat a classic, okay? Right. Um, but I'm interested in this Haunted Mansion uh, movie that you talked about. I mean, it would give well, us some deets on that. Well, this is this would be based on the Haunted Mansion ride down in Disney Disney World. Right, right. And, and, you know, and, and, and I'm sorry, but we tried this once. And it didn't work out very well. D- don't I remember there was an Eddie Murphy movie? I want to uh, say yes. In the Haunted Mansion? Yeah. I want to say um, yes. W- was this from the period of time where Eddie Murphy was desperately, desperately seeking any kind of a hit? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So I, I don't know. I think uh, the stank from that one might still be holding over him. Well, we'll have to see. Um, I just did some voice work where I was supposed to imitate the Haunted Mansion narrator. It's tough, but uh, I, it, it really speak, sparked my interest. I haven't been to the Haunted Mansion since I was 10. So it's been a day or two. And uh, 
I'm kind of now. I'm kind of looking forward to it, but that's okay. We'll see what happens with uh, you know what I think. Jamie Lee Curtis should do a sequel to True Lies. True Lies. True Lies. That has been one of those things that like is out there that like yeah. you know some, some people are like, dude, how do you not reboot True Lies? I know when everything else has been rebooted. Hey, Schwarzenegger could still be funny yeah. to do it. Oh yeah, ja- Jamie Lee Curtis would still be awesome. Tom Arnold. You know, Tom- yeah. No, well, Tom Arnold probably you know, wouldn't get hired. They yeah, probably. With, yeah, they would replace him with like Zac Efron or some young star. Um, yeah, yeah. So this could happen. Well, that, that's the one. If anything's going to happen, it's going to be True Lies. I don't want a reboot. I want a sequel. Because now I heard that they're now I heard that they're making a uh, uh, they're rebooting Death Becomes Her, which is Goldie Hawn and oh, dear God. And, and Bruce Willis and um, and Meryl Streep and Meryl Streep. Right. Well, the the I guess the good news is is that Goldie Hawn's daughter can't remember her name now. Um, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson is playing Goldie Hawn's character, so there's that. But then Robert Downey Jr. is playing Bruce Willis's character. So I just I don't know. I mean, it's why just just make yeah, another why, one. Yeah. Why? Why? Just make another. I mean, why? You know, why? I don't, I don't know. Why? I can see the other one right now if I want. I don't yeah. need to see a reboot. It's not like back in the olden days where a movie just disappeared forever and we had to remake it because well, we can't find it. Yeah. Well. It, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, all right. Well, let me talk about one of my favorite actors and I know that's kind of cliche, but he really is one of my favorite actors because I just, I don't know. I just enjoy him. Nicholas Cage, love him, hate him, B movie guy, a movie lister, Oscar winner. I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's just, he's so all over the place, but you know, he got bills to pay. He at least didn't try and skip out on his tax bill when his accountant, embezzled a bunch of money and screwed him. That's why he was doing all those D-rank movies, right? Cause he yeah, just, he had bills to pay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was just, I, I can't remember how much it was. It was millions of dollars that the IRS yeah. was after him for, right? I, I want to say it was like 10 or $12 million. Yeah, this is after his accountant yeah. embezzled all his money and skipped town. I mean, that was essentially yeah. it. Screwed uh, him. So screwed him. It wasn't Nick, it was, this wasn't a Wesley Snipes where I just refused to pay my taxes. It was, oh, the guy I hired unscrewed me so anyway Nicolas Cage we know he got the Oscar right uh back in 95 he won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas um and uh, but some new stuff has come out about this it's very very interesting maybe one of the reasons why he had a little bit of cash flow problems yeah maybe it's a good thing he got that Oscar because it turns out he didn't get paid now this this is one of those tales that will remind you that Everybody in Hollywood is evil and wants to screw you. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, you know, Nicholas Cage made a deal with the producers, uh, so, and so did the writer director Mike Figgis. He's the one who's uh, who's who's blowing the uh, the top off of this thing. You know, twenty is it twenty five years later, and uh, he's t- he uh, they were talking, and Mike Figgis said, "Yeah, you know, we were supposed to get paid based on how much money the movie made, and it did make thirty two million dollars at the box office worldwide. Right, right. and it it only." cost four million dollars to make it let me see that's um 28 million profit right i mean 28 million dollars profit according to real math yeah according to the studio they still didn't make any money on it yeah and the studio is out of business yeah this is why you (laughs) never have any kind of deal that's a net profit thing you never do that because they got they got a whole floor of sharp penciled accountants in there that will write off every paper clip every ounce of whatever they can write Right off, they'll write it off against, and it will make nothing. This is this is my thing. Never do a net profit scheme because it's a scheme. 
Yeah, no, it's a total scheme. The only person who's well, you know, some 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 stars have done this very successfully. The man who did it the most successfully was Tom Cruise. Right. Because exactly. Tom Cruise was smart. He he didn't go for the net. He said, "Oh, you're just gonna give me a percentage of the gross." Exactly. Yeah, never a net. <laughs> a gross. Yeah, gross profit. Fine. Gross revenue. Fine. Points on the movie. Fine. Net profit. Never. Nope. They'll, they'll, nope. they'll hide it every time. Yeah, so they'll maybe yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how they spent $28 million to promote a $4 million movie. Because that's what it all had to have been eaten up in, right? Cost $4 yeah, million I mean, dollars to produce. Where did the other yeah. $28 million go? I mean, are they arguing that they put all that extra advertising into it? Are they saying yeah. that it cost them millions of dollars to campaign for Nicolas Cage to win the Oscar? Yeah, no, I have no idea. All right, no, they're well, liars. Yeah, they're liars. It, it liars. They, they, somebody else <laughs> skipped town. Um, I want to get to Halloween Ends, but I want to talk okay. about the other two. What do we got here? The Watcher on Netflix, Naomi Watts, Bobby Cannavale. Cannavale. Yeah, what's Cannavale. It yeah, what's it This do? is a really awesome Netflix series, okay? And it's based on a true story. And uh, you know, Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannavale, their family, they buy this dream house out in the New Jersey suburbs. It's gorgeous. It's like a mansion. It's the kind of place you always wanted to live in your life. And then suddenly, one day, they start getting letters in the mailbox from a man who calls himself the Watcher. And uh, he has been watching and stalking and threatening and are they going to be able to figure out who it is before they go mad oh that's kind of crazy first of all dream house in new jersey that just seems like an oxymoron there but <laughs> this uh, is a nice part of jersey well yeah, yeah. Like, yeah but it's jersey baby i mean come on i'm from alaska and i know you don't want to live in jersey um so i know that you were talking about this a couple weeks ago naomi watts that she's just stellar in this um yes give me the rundown amazing. real quick yeah, fantastic in this, and you know, and I think that it's 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 everything in this movie. I mean, Cannavale is great. You know, he's really the he his character is the one that's truly losing it. That he's the one who's truly going crazy because he needs to defend his family. He wants to get revenge on these people that are disturbing them. Naomi Watts, the scared wife. You know, she's doing fine. There's this great cast of weird characters who all live in the neighborhood and all make you think that they're guilty. And the and the whole time you're watching the show, you're like. I wonder how the heck they're getting into the house. Man, all right. Yeah. Ne- negative one to four waffles on The Watcher. I'm at three and a half waffles right now. I, I, Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, someday we'll have to break it down. I, I actually know the true story, and we could we could break down what was true and what was not true in okay. The Watcher. Okay, I'm all about that. Okay. I don't care about Barney. I know that there's a documentary on Barney on Peacock, <laughs> okay. so nobody cares about that. But let's talk about Halloween Ends, the last time, in air quotes, uh, that Michael Myers is going to face off against Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, if it, yeah, I went in this movie thinking they're just going to prove that they're a bunch of just lousy sacks of muffins, man. They are going to somehow set this up so there's going to be a sequel. And let me tell you, that is not going to happen. <laughs> what? And I'm just going to leave it at that. Wow. Because you know what? You spend an hour and 52 minutes sitting through a disaster of a movie to find out if they really, truly are ending Halloween, and note that they are very specific about fighting between Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers because 
you know they're going to reboot this bad boy in like five years. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is such a disaster of a movie. It is just all over the place. It is so bad, it's not even funny. Uh, you know, you, you got Jamie Lee Curtis, who was so much fun in, in the Halloween, you know, basically where they picked up on it a few years ago. Right. Uh, you know, where she was basically luring him out and was ready to just destroy Michael Myers. Right, I love that That was that one. fun to watch. Yeah. You know, now, now she's lost all of her, all of her just gumption lost all of her spirit and she's writing a book about her feelings and what's been happening so you got that to go on then you've got michael myers has disappeared after the the second halloween movie that that came out a couple years ago and where might he be and now you've got this new kid in town who has become the new pariah because he was babysitting a kid on halloween and there was a tragedy and He's been blamed for oh. the tragedy. I, I actually like the last Halloween movie. I thought it was very good. I love Jamie Lee Curtis's character. I love the whole thing. I mean, there's like 12 Halloween movies. So give me a negative one to four waffles. Where are you at? I'm sitting around one waffle right now. Oh. I am sitting there. And, and I, I'm just telling you, it's because you know, just nothing makes sense in this movie. It, it's just jumping from idea to idea to idea. Uh, you know, I, I just really, there's no one you want to root for in this movie. Everybody's just kind of boring. And at least we do get an ending. It might be crazy. It might be over the top. It might be just ridiculous. But there's an ending. Okay. Well, Halloween ends. One waffle. That's this. My wife is going to be so upset. All right. Well, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. What's next week? Quickly. Oh, next week, that would be Black Adam, the big rock oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I'm down with that. I want to check it out. That's the new DC yeah. flick. Uh, all right. Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Folks, it. We'll we're, we're out of time. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. I mean, so you say that there will not be a sequel, but it, so what you're seeing is no sequel with Laurie Strode, the the character, but a reboot. You're you're betting money on a reboot. I'm sorry, Willie. Yeah. I had you turned down. I'm sorry. What was that? Okay. No, I would say there's not going to be a sequel with those two main characters. I'm not going to tell you why, but there will not be a sequel with those two main characters. Now. I think there'll be a reboot. I really do. I just think that Hollywood is so desperate for new ideas that they are going to reboot this thing with a bunch of people who are in their 20s. That way they can make three or four or five of them and cash in big time. And I bet they will call those characters Laurie Stroud and Michael Myers. I remember the reboot that Jared Padalecki did um, from Supernatural. He did the reboot of Friday the 13th uh, early on. And then uh, Jensen Ackles, the other half of Supernatural, did the um, My Bloody Valentine, which was awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I just don't know how many times you can go back to the well and reboot the same thing. I mean, come on. There's got to be... I mean, you know, Get Out and Them and and all these other movies that are just great. I mean, I, Michael Flanagan and all his stuff. Why? Why? Why, Willie? Because it's so much easier to take a product that everybody knows and just, you don't have to do it good. You just have to have something that people know that they, they, they're familiar with. And they'll buy that ticket to the opening weekend. And that's all that matters. 
I, I, I with you. You know, I, I, I you know, the, the biggest joke I always I always would tell is that, you know, it's really hard to do something original. That's why most people don't do it. That's why these Hollywood people, they keep remaking these movies because you know how hard it is to write something new and yeah. interesting? Yeah, you know, well. and, and you, you have to have real talent. That, whoa! Did, and you have to take a chance because, you know, you yeah. might write something brand new and nobody will like it. Uh, you know, something we haven't talked about, and I'm just going to, it's going to be just another minute here, folks. I know I'm running long, but Brendan Fraser, right? He's had this renaissance. Yep. Brendan Fraser, man, you've got to love the guy. I loved every movie he was in. I thought he was great. Um, there was a blurb that I saw yesterday or day before talking about The Mummy 4. And he said, I'd be down to do The Mummy 4, uh, another, you know, another sequel to it. And when he was asked about Tom Cruise's take on The Mummy, he said, well... I just don't think he was having fun. I just don't think he was fun. And you, you look back at his, those movies were always kind of the Marvel, look at the camera, nod and wing fun. They were danger and everything else, but it was still had that playfulness in it. And Cruise is yeah. way too serious to be playful. I think that's why that movie failed. But can you imagine Brandon Fraser going back again to do the, I mean, I, I'm in, I'm in. Oh no, that would be a lot of fun. I think, yeah, I think Brandon Fraser hit it right on the head though. You know, they had that spirit of the Saturday serials and, you know, kind of being a little campy and being a little bit of fun and, and Tom Cruise's version was supposed to be much more serious and they were using it to launch a new franchise yeah. where we would have The Mummy and if I remember correctly The Mummy, The Werewolf, Dracula Frankenstein right. and it all fell apart because The Mummy movie just didn't pay off. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Alright, well um, I guess that's it next week. We'll be back. We'll be back at it again. Thank you my friend. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime. We will see you next weekend. Folks, we're out of time. We've got to go. Shelly Hughes on Monday. And I've forgotten and closed the window already, so I can't remember who else. But come on and join us on Monday. It's going to be a busy week next week. We will see you. Have a great weekend. Love one another. Live well. And be kind. We'll see you. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show